First, I would like to express sincere condolences from myself, my wife Beth, and from the incredible body of Christ called Calvary Bible Church. And second, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to minister God's word this morning. Ramona is why we are all here, but Ramona is not here. You are here to look around and within and up for God's perspective, truth, meaning, and comfort. Every human being is made in God's image. God is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet he is one. You and I are three, spirit, soul, and body, and yet there is one of each of us. The human spirit allows us to relate to God. The human soul allows us to relate to other persons. And the human body allows us to relate to our environments. When Ramona died, her spirit and soul were dismissed from her body. They were not dismissed to stop existing, and they were not dismissed to aimlessly float around somewhere. No, Ramona's soul and spirit were dismissed to go into God's very presence. For the born-again believer in Jesus Christ, absence from the body is immediate presence with the Lord. When Ramona's spirit and soul were dismissed, they went back to the one who first gave them. And they were dismissed to wait for a sure and marvelous reunion with Ramona's resurrected body. I like Ecclesiastes 12, verses 6 and 7. They read, Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel is broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. End of quote. And so let me say it again. Ramona is the reason that we are all here, but Ramona is not here. You are here to look around, within, and up for God's perspective, truth, meaning, and comfort. And so together now, let us ask our great God's help for this worthwhile investigation. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, funerals close the eyes of the dead and open the eyes of the living. So we ask for your help to know you and your ways better. Also, we ask for what we need to know about heaven and about how we get there. Father, we are so grateful that you have fully revealed yourself to us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in your dependable and authoritative Bible. On a day like today, Believers unite to be comforted by the fact that we were not left as orphans when the risen Christ went back to heaven. Yes, we are blessed that you sent to us the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit's primary job is to magnify the greatness of Christ. Father, we are banking on the Holy Spirit to elevate Jesus Christ to his rightful place 
in everything in this homegoing service. Almighty God, it is our prayer that we all may trust in you with all of our hearts and that we may not lean onto our own understandings. Instead, that we each one would acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you, Lord God, would direct all of our paths. Almighty God, you have told us in your word, the Bible, that as we do trust in you, you will direct our paths to your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior for a world of sinners like us. Thanks, Lord, that you assure us in your word that to know Christ as our own Savior by faith is to possess eternal life. May no one leave this sanctuary this morning without Jesus Christ going it on their own, living only for the here and now. Father, we pray these things fully knowing that you are more than able and completely trusting you for the answers and the hope which is necessary. And we pray this in Jesus' beautiful and strong name together. Amen. Grace is amazing because its source is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle John in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says to us, For of his fullness, that is Jesus' fullness, have we all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us ponder afresh the magnitude of God's grace as we sing our opening hymn. You may remain seated for the singing of Amazing Grace.
His word, my hope, secures. Let us listen attentively to his word then as Madison Erdeg Archer, Dakota Mori, and Gina Roll come with our scripture readings. In that order, please. A reading from the book of Romans 8, 28 through 39. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom we, he predestined, these he also called whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up from us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are moved more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor death, nor any other created thing shall be. A reading from John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Psalms 46, verse 1 through 4 and verse 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. 
Thank you, ladies, for reading the Word of God in our hearing today. There is nothing quite as comforting as the Holy Scriptures of God. For we're told that whatever things were written beforehand were written for our instruction, so that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We invite everybody now to stand and sing this adaptation of Psalm 23, The Lord's My Shepherd. Please stand, everyone except the immediate family. Be seated. 
Pastor Tommy Albury is coming now with prayer for the family. Good morning. Good morning. On behalf of my wife, Kathy, and I, we would like to express our sincere condolences to the Gonzalez family. May the Lord comfort you as you grieve the loss of Sister Ramona. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we thank you for your abiding presence. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege you have given us of approaching you in prayer with the full assurance that you will hear and answer the prayers of your children. You are a good, compassionate, and gracious God, always meeting the needs of your children, giving us assurance through your word that you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. We ask right now that you would deal graciously with the Gonzalez family as they grieve the passing of their loved one. Lord, give them your perfect peace, the peace that passes all understanding. We ask that you would impart the grace needed to sustain them during their time of bereavement. Draw them close as a family, Father, but more importantly, draw them close to yourself. Father, as your word is presented today, may it go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Touch the hearts of those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and save them by your grace, we pray. We give you thanks and ask it all in the mighty and powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Granddaughters Ashley, Chelsea, and Marissa are coming now to tell us a little bit about how much their granny meant to them. You'll forgive me if I start crying, but I'm gonna read a poem that reminded me of my grandmother called Her Journey Has Just Begun. Her journey's just begun. Don't think of her as gone away. Her journey has just begun. Life holds many facets. This earth is only one. Just think of her as resting from the sorrows and, and the tears in a place of warmth and comfort where there are no days and years. Think how she must be wishing that we could know today how nothing but our sadness can really pass away. And think of her as living in the hearts of those she touched for nothing love is ever lost, and she was loved so much. My grandmother meant so much to me, and I wish that I had more time to spend with her. She had such a grace and beauty about her that everyone could see. Everyone loved her. Granny, I'll miss you, and thank you for all that you've inspired me to do and encouraged me to do throughout my life. And... Tell Papa that I said I love him and, and I'll see you when I get to those pearly gates. They say that life is not about the number of breaths you take, but of the moments that take your breath away. On this day, I'm proud to say that my granny had both in her 89 years of existence. It never occurred to me that I might be up here one day talking about her instead of visiting his plan. It was naive of me to think of her as invincible. 
It was at least understandable, considering she was the strongest woman I knew next to my mother. As I stand here, I wish I knew what to say to get us through the grief we're all feeling right now. I know my granny held a special place in everyone's heart that joins us today. She was truly an inspirational woman. The hardest part of losing someone isn't having to say goodbye, but rather learning how to live without them, trying to fill that void, the emptiness that's left inside you. As I stand here, I know she would have never wanted any of us to feel such sorrow. She lived such a wonderful long life. I know that losing her will never be a memory forgotten, but I pray that over the next few months we find comfort in knowing she's at peace in the arms of my loving Papa. I love you so much, Granny. I know that this isn't goodbye. It's until next time. Sometimes we don't know how to handle situations in life that don't seem real. Whenever Sometimes we don't know how to handle situations in life that don't seem real. When I found out Granny had passed, it didn't seem real. It still doesn't, but I know she's in a good place up there with Papa. I know she is happily watching over us. I know how much everyone loved her and how sweet she was. She always saw the good in people. We are so lucky to have her in our lives as long as we did. She touched so many of us with her kindness, and our family loved her so much. It is said that those who touch our lives inspire us and love us, and I know my granny did both. Today we honor and celebrate my granny's life, love, and kindness she offered us that was cherished by so many. Our lives are enriched because she was a part of it. I know we will all miss her dearly, and we are all trying to deal with the grief of her loss, but we have the opportunity today to admire her life and memories that shaped our image of how we saw her as an amazing person she was. I want to thank you, ladies, for sharing such wonderful memories of your granny with us. And if you look at the front cover, wasn't Ramona a beautiful woman? And what we heard truly said that she was not just outwardly beautiful, but she was inwardly beautiful as well. Coming now to share with us what stands out most in his mind about Sister Ramona, Brian Marie. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Ramona Gonzalez was in her own way a remarkable woman. The quintessential unsung hero, she never sought the limelight, never craved attention or public recognition, and never harbored ill will or animosity for anyone. In fact, during my entire life, <clears throat> I never heard a word of enmity, dissension, or acrimony from Aunt Mona as I affectionately knew her. She was humble in her demeanor, respectful in her dealings with others, loving, loyal, and supportive in her relationships, protective of her family and committed to their well-being, faithful to her God, and wise and sensible in the important things of life. Aunt Mona was, in the old-fashioned way, a lady of quiet dignity and standards. 
a wonderful, unpretentious, and genuine human being. What you saw was what you got. No deceptions, no posturing, and no false pretenses. Sincere, compassionate, encouraging, and kind, she made all of us better for knowing her. That is a rare and special gift which Aunt Mona had, although she exercised it with characteristic modesty and self-deprecation. When thinking about my remarks for today, I could not escape the words recorded in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, when during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. One of my enduring memories of Aunt Mona is her aversion for contention and how through her conduct and speech, she promoted civil discourse and harmony in all interpersonal relationships. She did not like to argue or engage in loud, aggressive exchanges. I remember as a young boy that some of the family gatherings involved, <coughs> let me say robust, and I might say animated and colorful discussions. Some of you here will perhaps recall them. On those occasions, Aunt Mona would, in her quiet and unassuming way, moderate the rhetoric and encourage a gentler and kinder approach. In her life, she was the very personification of the peacemaker referred to in Matthew's Gospel. Blessed with a temperate and placid disposition, Aunt Mona always seemed content with her lot in life, never denigrating others or engaging in conflict. Frankly, it was impossible to dislike her, and I doubt that she deliberately ever offended anyone. She lived by that old adage that if you didn't have something good to say about someone, then you shouldn't say anything at all. She learned to follow the direction to all Christians contained in 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, where it commends the following way of life. The scripture says, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. I think that in the case of Aunt Mona, God was pleased with the way in which she lived her life, promoting unity and harmony, kindness and peace between all persons. In my case, she always had a hug for me and an encouraging word for me whenever I saw her. And she would ask about my wife, Angela, and our son, Sean and Kevin. When they were just a few years old, Aunt Mona would sometimes look after Sean and Kevin when Angela and I went out for the evening. We all have fond memories of those days. And not so long ago, when Angela took our oldest granddaughter, Charlotte, to see her and Aunt Thelma, another remarkable saint and godly woman, Aunt Mona expressed genuine joy and concern and was quick to say that she remembered those days when she looked after Kevin's father and how my mother would have been so proud of us all. This is just another small example of how in her genuine and down-to-earth way, Aunt Mona always uplifted 
and encourage those around her with a kind word, a caring act, or a compassionate gesture. To put it simply, she was just a very nice person, a positive and optimistic spirit in a world too often preoccupied with cynicism, discord, and denigration. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32, the Apostle Paul told members of the church at Ephesus to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. This is the way in which Aunt Mona lived her life. And in doing so, she was an inspiring example for all of us. Almost every Sunday morning, we saw Aunt Mona in this church with Aunt Bessie, sitting toward the back in the middle aisle. Quiet and unobtrusive, she was faithful in worshiping her God in her own humble way. While we will miss her, we can take comfort in knowing that she is now in his presence with the very hand of God will forever wipe away her tears and place on her the crown of life. As we remember Aunt Ramona today, I think that I can speak for all when I say that we are thankful that she spent a little time in our corner of the world. She has now completed her earthly journey, and as we reflect on her life, we can almost hear in the background those iconic words of the hymn, it is finished, the battle is over. It is finished, there will be no more wars. It is finished, the end of conflict. It is finished and Jesus is Lord. We are all better for knowing Aunt Mona and she's enriched us both collectively and individually. While she never preached a sermon, never to my knowledge spoke on a public platform, never led a class or a meeting, she nevertheless taught us a great deal through the way in which she lived. We are told in Galatians 5.22 that the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aunt Mona possessed those qualities in greater measure than most of us. To Ricardo and Felicia, to the Carroll family, the Gonzalez family, and to all my aunts and uncles and other family members, I offer my sincere condolences to you and on behalf of my wife, Angela, and our family. And when grieving, I ask you to remember and take comfort that Aunt Mona is now in that place where, according to Revelations, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. She is now at peace, and our best tribute to her is to emulate those extraordinary qualities of her life, which endeared her to all of us. It was Cicero, the philosopher, who said that there is no grief which time does not lessen and soften. This is but a small consolation of this difficult time, but also remember the words of the psalmist when he said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and the joy will come in the morning. We give thanks for the life of Ramona Annie Gonzalez. She will be fondly and affectionately remembered by all who had the privilege to know her 
or to come into contact with her as a calm, good-natured, genuine, caring, kind, and comforting person. Whether as mother, sister, grandmother, sister-in-law, aunt, cousin, or friend, it was good to have known Ramona Gonzalez. May she rest in peace. Thank you, Brother Brian, for sharing those words about your aunt. She was indeed a remarkable lady in her own way. And we look forward to meeting with her and the saints in glory, as you shared. She is in a better place. Most of all, we look forward to glory because Jesus is there. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you only imagine I can only imagine surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus or in awe of you be still will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak it all, I can only imagine, Lord, I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel, will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you, be still, will I stand in your presence? But to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it 
We pray. Heavenly Father, by the ministration of the Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross so that it is not a preacher or a pastor that is seen, but the beauties of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died in the place of rebels like all of us, but did not stay dead. The one Father that you raised from the dead may much be made of him through the ministry of the Holy Spirit's ministry of the word of God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. This world is not conclusion. A sequel stands beyond. Invisible as music but positive as sound. These beautiful and true words were penned by Emily Dickinson to poetically underscore the fact that there is life after death, that there is a heaven. Have you ever noticed uh, how much attention travelers pay to the details of their trips? Uh, Travelers price and then they book things like airplane tickets and hotel rooms and cruises and excursion trips and tours and theme parks and rental cars. In some cases, travelers save up their money for months or even years in advance of their trips. They get special credit cards which earn them discounts on planes and hotels and they determine the months or the times of the year when it is best to economically buy tickets for airplanes. Yes, travelers go to a a lot of work to prepare for their trips. They take out insurance. They read internet reviews of things that pertain to their journeys. Then they Google things that they wonder about while they're on their trips as well. They get passports and, if necessary, visas. But isn't it (laughs) there's a very most important journey or trip? that being from this life to the next life. The journey from life to afterlife. Of course, obviously, it would be all of our desires that we would be led into heaven, that we'd have a safe landing when we get there. To want otherwise would be crazy. But over my 30 years of being a pastor, I'm shocked at how many persons I have met are confused, clueless, or cavalier 
about getting to heaven. (laughs) I scratched my head over how so many people are extremely laid back about preparing for heaven. You ask them, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that you'll go to heaven? And by far, the most common answer I get from people who aren't sure is, I hope so, but I'm not sure. Maybe that's your honest answer to the question as well. I hope so, but not sure. To go through life with no plan on how to get from earth to heaven is really rather naive and negligent. In fact, it is way more naive and way more negligent than arriving in New York City on New Year's Eve without any any hotel reservation and expecting to get a room. It seems that we take our journeys, our trips, very seriously, except the one most important journey and trip. This morning, I want to encourage us to make all the necessary preparations for our journeys from earth to the afterlife. I want you to see with me, from God's word, not my opinion, how to successfully travel from earth to heaven, from faith to sight, from the temporal to the eternal. Jesus had repeatedly told his closest followers that he was going to die on a cross. But either they weren't listening or they were in denial. And while at one point Jesus was having a last meal with those men, Uh, before he was arrested, and they were devastated at the meal by the prospects of losing their friend Jesus and their rabbi, their Messiah. And so if anyone was willing to listen, if anyone was actually eager to know about how to get to heaven, it was these particular men at that particular meal. They must have been like students who were desperate for clues from their teacher about what would be on the final exam. So let's eavesdrop on that meal and on that conversation. John, in chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, lets us eavesdrop. Jesus speaking, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The one main idea of what Jesus said on that occasion is this. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared persons. 
and that makes sense. I mean, if the Queen of England came to Nassau, they wouldn't be looking for a banquet hall after she arrived. They wouldn't be putting an invitation to dine with her in the newspapers. <laughs> Not at all. They would be very well prepared. The place where they selected it would be perfectly prepared, and only extremely well prepared persons would be allowed to come to that place. No last minute, no haphazard, no detail left undone, no absence of security at the door of the banquet hall, no come one, come all invitation to meet the queen. Friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is king of kings, lord of lords, and he makes the queen of England look like a commoner. If anyone gets to meet Jesus Christ and then to live with him, then that person must be prepared. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared persons. Listen to this amazing interchange again that I've read just a moment ago. bears repeating. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I would submit this morning, it makes logical sense to listen carefully to Jesus because after all, Jesus is the only person who has ever made the trip from heaven to earth and he is uniquely and best qualified to help all of us to make the trip from earth to heaven. And so in the first place, what I want to see with you is that heaven is a prepared place. Jesus' disciples felt queasy, but not from the Passover meal that night. They were troubled, and they felt upset on the inside from their growing awareness that Jesus' days were numbered. They were scared. They were scared at the thought of making the trip to heaven without Jesus, and so should we be scared at that thought. And Jesus lovingly reassured them by explaining that heaven is a prepared place. In fact, the Lord Jesus likened heaven to a large house where God the Father lives. And Jesus went on to say that this big heavenly mansion has a lot of rooms. In fact, far more rooms in this mansion than any mansion you could look at in Lyford Key. Heaven is a prepared place. But Jesus equally made the point 
that heaven's citizens are prepared on earth. Jesus was speaking to men who had already believed in him. They had left their fishing businesses. They had left their tax collection office. They had totally believed in him enough to walk away from their families. These men that Jesus spoke to at that last meal together, they already believed in him. And yet, this is what happened. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Heaven's citizens are prepared on earth. (laughs) But, you know, it's popular but illogical today to think that all roads lead to the same place, to think that everyone who is religiously sincere will make heaven, no matter which road they pick to live on. Friends, that is not only illogical, that is a lie. Elsewhere, the Lord Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. Now, to be sure, the truth hurts. But equally, the truth helps. A preacher of the past, another day, an era, Spurgeon remarked, hell has many gates, though heaven has but one. I learned a song when I was a boy in Sunday school and One door and only one. And yet its sides are two. Inside and outside. On which side are you? One Lord and only one. And yet the ways are two. Right way and wrong way. On which way are you? One book and only one which tells of places two. Good place and bad place. On which place choose you? One book and only one which tells the place is true. I choose the good place. And which place choose you? Truth to some hurts, but to others, the same truth helps. Going back to the dinner meeting scene, when a confused and alarmed disciple named Thomas asked how they all could know the right roadway to heaven, what did Jesus say? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, don't sweat it, Thomas. It's sincerity which counts. Pick any road you want. Everyone makes it in the end. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus also did not say, don't ask me, I have no clue. 
or ask anyone at all. They'll know. No, Jesus didn't say any of that. I mean, how crazy would it be to want to go to Boston but to tell your wife to buy you a plane ticket to any destination on earth? Any destination which she randomly picks. Crazy. You would be a fool to figure that if you want to get to Boston, then any plane will do as long as you're super sincere when you present your boarding pass. Now, because Jesus Christ is both truth and love, he was emphatic when his friend Thomas asked him the score about getting to heaven. Jesus Christ was emphatic. Jesus Christ was specific. He was narrow. He was truthful. And of course, he was right. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what he said. Of course, we are comforted by the fact that Ramona trusted Jesus to be her Savior and lived it out as Brother Maury pointed out. Great comfort in that. She is now in the prepared place that Christ has prepared for prepared persons. And she's never been more alive. She's never been perfect like she is there. And we'll see her again and we'll recognize her if we gain heaven as a grace gift through Christ. But if anyone be here this morning, <laughs> what dear Ramona would want as a peacemaker on earth would be that you would make your peace with God through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's what she wants. And so I ask you humbly, but directly because time is of the essence, none of us knows that we have tomorrow, are you prepared to go to heaven? You either know if you are or you aren't. If you're not sure, then you aren't prepared. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, we read, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. There it is, in his Son. So I would go on with the verse. He, I would add, or she, who has the Son, has the life. He, I will add, or she, who does not have the Son of God, does not have the life. But the great thing, from these two verses is that we can know now if we have eternal life. We can know now if we have the Son. We can know now if Jesus is our life. Do you know? Are you prepared for your trip to the afterlife? Jesus said, as I've been driving home more than once, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You say, Pastor, what does it mean to believe? It's very simple. Belief is faith, and faith is trust. Belief is faith, and faith is trust. Just like you are trusting the pew to hold you up, you're believing in the pew. Belief is faith, and faith is trust. But you know, faith 
is only as good as the object upon which it rests. Faith is only as good as is the object upon which it rests. Since coming to the Bahamas four years ago, we've learned a lot of great things. And one of the great things we've learned is about bush medicine. That the generations preceding our generation went to the bush and took the plants that God has given to the Bahamas and figured out ways to use the natural remedies for illnesses. It's wonderful. But you know what? If you give me the wrong bush medicine for what is ailing me, I may die. You may say, you, I died in faith in bush medicine, but my faith in bush medicine is only as good as the bush medicine you give me for my ailment. Or take tomorrow or Monday when you drive your car. Your car's ability to stop is only predicated on the fitness of the brakes of your car. Your faith in your car to stop is only based as good as the brakes are. Where is your faith resting? In a church, in a religion, in your family, in your spouse, in being philanthropic and generous to people in need. Where does your faith rest? Is it in Jesus Christ alone? That's where it must rest if you're going to make heaven. Jesus Christ, in his person and in his work, is the only solid ground, only unchanging ground, only perfect ground upon which saving faith can rest. And that's where Ramona's saving faith rested while on earth. There's a wonderful old hymn of the faith that many of you who've known Christ for a while would know. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed, I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. My great physician heals the sick, the lost. He came to save. For me, his precious blood he shed. For me, his life he gave. In the chorus, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Is that where your faith rests? It can this morning. If that was not where your faith rested when you walked into Ramona's service, you do not have to leave this service with your faith failing to rest on Jesus Christ. You could trust him. You would say, I'm a sinner. I can't earn heaven. I believe that Jesus died in my place, shed his blood to pay for my sins, didn't stay dead, and I run to him with childlike trust. I put my trust only on Jesus Christ. The person who does that, God hears and God saves. Make that your prayer if you never have. And then you can know what Mona knew. What Mona knew on earth, she was going to heaven. Some of you have heard me say this many times, but I'll close with this. There's a tombstone in an Indiana cemetery, and the inscription reads, Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. 
Someone came by later and did a, a bad thing. They wrote graffiti on the tombstone, and they wrote, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Know which way you're going to go. Trust Christ to be your Savior because you may not have tomorrow. I may not have tomorrow. Heaven is a prepared place, but only for prepared persons. Persons are prepared because they trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior while alive on earth. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the Savior. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for heaven. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you all to stand with me for a time of committal, please. Lord Jesus Christ said all of the following For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Friends, as we have gathered to lay to rest dear Ramona Annie Gonzalez's earthly house, I want to remind us that our gathering here at this church is not in vain. For we have gathered here on the basis of a forever sure and certain hope, which is anchored to the word of the true and living God. I want to share just one more passage from that word with you. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will with him bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Inasmuch as it pleased our Lord and loving Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love, we commit her earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, a place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day when the treasure we now deposit into a vault for safekeeping is transformed and raised imperishable and glorified. We pray. Dear Lord Jesus, all that hands could do have we done. Where we leave off, do you take up and take care? Watch over the hallowed place in holy remembrance until the promised resurrection. Bless the family that remains on earth. Secure them by your love. Instruct them by your word. Comfort them by your promises. Sustain them by your grace. Encourage them by your people. Warm them by the memories they hold dear. Heal them by your touch. Guide them by your Holy Spirit. Save them by your sacrifice. Precious Lord Jesus, send us away now to our homes and to the work that awaits us. In your love and in your dear name, amen. We'll remain standing to sing. Let's sing with that blessed hope as Pastor Elliot has reminded us from the scriptures that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And so we can sing, When I Get to That City of Gold. There's a city. 